big hello to you wherever you're watching from. So good that you've joined us. If you are a guest, uh, we're so glad that you're with us today at church. So let's let's give a big hello, a big shout out to whoever is new in the chat today. Big welcome. And you've come whilst we're in a series. We're in a series called Rhythm and we're doing this over the next eight weeks together. And so today, today we're going to be unpacking one specific rhythm, the rhythm of a believer, the foundations of our faith. And today we're going to be looking at praise and worship, praise and worship. And even as I said that, I know for some people, you've already instantly thought to yourself, ha, I'm not a singer. I'm not a creative. Um, I don't really dance. Like that's that's not really my thing. I'm not the, the kind of emotional type. Well, my prayer is that by the end of this message, uh, you'll begin to see that praise and worship is more than just a song or a style or an event, but instead it's access to a life filled with power. And so we're going to look at Acts 16, Acts 16, verse 25 to 26. It says this about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the prisons was the prison was shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. I love that. Everyone's chains came loose. Uh, Hebrews 13, 15 to 16 says this, Through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. I love that. It says continually, showing that it's not just a Sunday moment. Continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name and do not forget to do good and to share with others for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. God is pleased. Um, let me ask you a quick question. Quick question and let me know in the chat. Has anyone ever met royalty before? Uh, let me know if you've ever met royalty and um, husbands, this is a perfect opportunity for you to say that you met your wife. The day you met your wife is when you met royalty. Uh, but I, I, I had the privilege. I actually got to meet Queen Elizabeth. Um, and let me put it into context because I know straight away you think we're besties. We're not best friends. Uh, it, it happened actually when I was in primary school. And uh, we had an opportunity. The Queen visited some of the primary schools. And so Queen Elizabeth was going uh, was gonna to arrive within a week. And I remember my teacher in school, and she said to the class, she said, so um, what, what present are we going to give to Queen Elizabeth? Now, for me, I've always been a little bit of an outspoken kid. And so I said to the teacher, I was like, a gift for Queen Elizabeth? Like, she has everything. Like, why would we give her a gift? She should be giving me a gift. Like, I don't want to give her a gift. She should be giving me. What, what is this about? And she laughed and she said to me, she said, Daryl, Daryl, it, it, it's, it's royal procedure. There's a protocol when you meet royalty. And the truth is, we all don't really understand royal protocol. And, and the reason being is because we don't always meet royalty. And so for the average Joe, i.e. me or you, uh, we don't really need to use royal protocol, but there really is a protocol. So for example, if an ambassador or if somebody was to visit a king or a queen from another country, they would bring a gift or a sacrifice. Now, why would they bring a gift or a sacrifice? Like they have everything. Well, it's not actually about the monetary value. The gift or the sacrifice that they would bring, and this is spanning from thousands of years to modern day, the gift of the sacrifice would tell the person what they thought of them. So the gift wasn't about being this lavish thing, but really it was more about communicating what they thought of the person they were about to see. And so Hebrews 13 
actually rewrites society's concept of praise that we just read. That it's not just, it's not about this applause, but it's a sacrifice. That praise is a gift. And it says to continually offer up a sacrifice of praise, fruit of lips, acknowledge his name. See, I love Queen Elizabeth. And as we saw when I was in school, there is a royal protocol of bringing a gift. But we serve a king of a different line. Uh, we serve a king who has all authority. The Bible says he is the king of all kings and his name is Jesus. So what sacrifice of praise do we offer him? Because truth is our praise amplifies our view of God. The praise that we bring to God tells God what we think about him. So it's so crucial because really it's the only gift that we continue, can continually gift God. My son Eli, um, he is almost four. Wow, that just hit me. Almost four years old. And um, my son, he, he rarely, rarely, what do I mean rarely? He never gives me a gift of high monetary value. It's because he's three. Uh, the gifts he usually gives me are, you know, handwritten cards and, you know, he, he never says, Dad, here's a Mercedes, you know, sport. I, I wish, but that's not something that my son does. But the truth is, for me, those gifts are worth way more to me than if Eli was to show up using my card, buying me a Mercedes. But the gifts that I love the most are when Eli says to me, I love you. I love you, Dad. Because the truth is, when he tells me I love you, it shows me that everything that I've done for him, he values it. And we've built this relationship to a place where he can say I love you. That gift means more to me. Praise does just that with God. Our praise and our worship is the only gift that we can give to God that he can't give himself. It's a sacrifice. Sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of worship is a gift that we give to Jesus. And, you know, sacrifice is something I don't think we talk about enough about in church. But really, sacrifice is a really important concept, um, especially when it comes to praise and worship, because in, in, in truth, it's universally accepted in every area of life other than the church. <laughs> you know, think of it like this, like you want to go on holiday. Um, you're like, I want to go on holiday. Okay, well, I'll sacrifice my Uber Eats and my Deliveroo regularly because I'm going to save my money. I'm going to stack up that money so then I can go on a holiday. You want a certain career. Maybe there's a certain career path. You're like, I'm going to sacrifice three to four years at university so that I can um, you know, be qualified to go into this career. We call somebody who sacrifices their life for somebody else, we will call them a hero. But why is it that when it comes to our faith, we are less willing to sacrifice? That we are less willing to sacrifice for God. You know, I've never made a sacrifice in my life that I didn't feel because truth is you have to say no to something. You have to say no to something for there to be sacrifice. And where there is no sacrifice, there is no praise. Where there is no sacrifice, there is no praise. And praise unlocks power. Uh, sacrifice of praise, let me put it really sim simply, let's put it in simple terms. It's to lay down what's yours and to highlight what's his. So when I lay down my opinions and my emotions and I highlight his opinions and his emotions, that's the sacrifice of praise. When I lay down what I think about me and my embarrassments and I highlight his thoughts and his confidence, that's the sacrifice of praise. That's why praise has nothing to do with us saying that life is perfect. 
but that we choose to praise God even in the middle of what we are facing when we don't feel like it, when we feel uncomfortable. Why? Because it's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice that we want to gift to God. So it's not about all of my ducks lining up and then I praise. No, it's even when my situation didn't praise, I did. Because it's not based on what's happening around me, but it's based on who God is. That's what our praise and our worship is based on. So now it's not limited to a building. Thank God for that, because we can still worship even as we did just a little while ago in our living rooms, wherever you are, wherever you're watching from, we can worship wherever. But equally, it's not just limited to a song now. It's a posture. When in my day in, my day out, I lay down what's mine, and I highlight what's his. That's praise. That's worship. So praise is so much more. Psalm 148 verse 9 to 10 says this, Praise him, hills and mountains, fruit trees and forests, all animals, tame and wild, reptiles and birds. I remember reading this uh, and thinking, um, how is the hills and the mountains praising God? How are the animals and the tame and wild animals, you know, these, how are the house pets, you know, praising, praising God? How does this happen? Well, it's when they do what they were created to do. That's praise. So we, we sacrificially praise when we walk in our purpose and our calling. That's praise. I think we've overthought a little bit. It's not just about the songs that we sing. It's a posture that we can praise God with our lives. And it becomes this response to the greatest sacrifice that heaven could offer. Do, do you understand the gift that we have in Jesus? That Jesus literally left his crown in heaven to take on a crown of thorns on earth for himself? Nah, he did it for me and for you. That is the greatest display of love that we will ever receive. And our praise is a response to this. It's a reaction to the gospel. So let me ask a question and let me change it. I'm not going to direct it at you. Let's direct it to ourselves that we can ask ourselves, does my praise reflect the greatest sacrifice of heaven? Or does my praise reflect me? Or does it reflect me? You know, we can read the Psalms and Psalms literally just mean songs. Really, it's the playlist of David's life, uh, King David at the time. And it, this is, there's a perfect model in here of David because David's life was not rosy. Like David's life was, there was many ups and many downs. And Psalm 149 verse 3, it says, Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with timbrel and harp. That, that word praise, it, it means halal. So it's not halal, like halal meat, but halal. And it means to rave or actually means to, to be clamorously foolish. Uh, clamorously foolish literally means this. It means to be confusing to others. So literally someone does something and it's confusing. They're like, what, what, what is going on here? Like what, what on earth is happening? Like what, what that means to be clamorously foolish. That's, that's what this praise that Dave was, David was talking about. His response to God was in that manner. And often we, we can be in an environment like this and we can start to think that this environment is about us and we dictate our praise and our worship based on how we feel or based on how other people around us are. Maybe even, you know, as you've been worshiping in your lounge room, maybe you've got your family or different people and you're like, how do I do? What do I do in this moment? And suddenly we begin to make this sacrifice more about us than about him. 
and, and, and we begin to limit God to our feelings, but then we expect him to do something supernatural in our lives. Or, or our praise looks a little bit like a proposal gone wrong. Imagine this. Let's go on a journey for a second. Imagine that we're at the Eiffel Tower and there is this proposal that's about to happen. This guy or girl has set this proposal up well. I mean, there is like, there's a band playing. They flew in. Um, they flew in U2. I don't know why I thought U2, but they flew in someone. And they got Michael Bublé there too. U2 and Michael Bublé. I'm talking this place is it's filled with people. There's roses everywhere. There's fireworks. You know, this thing is incredible. And suddenly the person gets down on one knee and says, I love you. Will you marry me? And the response to this great display is, yeah. Yeah. You know, even as I say that, maybe like, well, no, that wouldn't really happen. Well, that happens oftentimes with our praise and worship is to that great display that God gave for us to show how much he loves us. And our response is, uh, I guess. <laughs> or we can often use the excuse of denominations. Well, you know, I haven't been raised in a denomination where we really talked about praise or worship. And that's, you know, it's my denomination, it's my denomination. But really, David in the Psalms, he's non-denominational. Like, there's no, there's no denomination there in the Psalms. Our, it, it's nothing to do with our upbringing or it's nothing to do with our personality type. When you are loved beyond measure, the God of heaven knows your name and is praying for you right now in heaven. How do you respond? How do you respond? What will be our response to the maker of heaven and earth? And Jesus makes this incredible statement in a conversation in John 4, verse 23. He says, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth. But the father is seeking such people to worship him. You know, in the New Testament, there's two groups of people that Jesus says that he's seeking, that God is seeking. The first group of people are those who don't know God. The Bible calls them lost, people who, who, who don't know God. The second group of people are worshippers. So there's two groups, literally two clear groups. He's looking for people who don't know God. He wants to show them how much he loves them. But equally, he wants to search for worshippers. Isn't it incredible that the God who has everything can still be seeking something? But this isn't because he's insecure. <laughs> it's, it's not because he's lonely or he's needing our affirmation. Um, C.S. Lewis puts it in such a great way. C.S. Lewis is a great Christian writer. He says this, It's in the process of being worshipped that God communicates his presence to men. There is incredible power in our sacrificial praise and worship. And we see it in action with Paul and Silas. There we go. You were thinking the whole time, when is he going to get back to Paul and Silas in prison? Well, we see it. They're in prison because of their faith. They were believers. They were telling people about Jesus. They're in stocks. They're in a Roman cell now. And they begin praying and singing hymns to God. Singing hymns to God. Let me just talk to men for a moment. It says singing hymns. So don't tell me men don't sing. Paul and Silas are singing in prison. And there's power in our sacrificial praise and worship and they did that in the prison as something radical happens so i want to talk about three things as we wrap up three things about our sacrificial praise what does our sacrificial praise and worship bring number one sacrificial praise and worship brings perspective it brings perspective you know psalm 34 verse 3 says this oh magnify the lord with me and let us exalt his name together you know on the iphone uh, any iphone users let me know in the chat 
any Android users, we'll pray for you. We'll pray for you. But if you are on the iPhone, uh, you know, if you were to take a picture and you can zoom in, you can zoom in. And as you zoom in, I don't know if you ever noticed when you zoom into something, you don't actually change the size of the thing you're zooming into. Like that doesn't change it. It doesn't suddenly become bigger or smaller. But what changes is your perspective of what you see. What you see becomes bigger. And that's what it means to magnify the Lord. We don't have the power to change the size of God with our praise. But what we can do is we pray suddenly God becomes bigger in our view, in our world, in our mind as we magnify him and everything else begins to fade next to him. That's the power of sacrificial praise that maybe you are feeling in a really tight spot at the moment. It's been tight for you financially during COVID. You've been wrestling in your mental health. You've been struggling through life. Well, this is a perfect moment to magnify the Lord because as you magnify God, everything else, it's not saying it's not important, but it's saying that the one who is of the greatest importance becomes the true size that he is in your life and suddenly your faith begins to grow and you can see things begin to shift as you praise and worship because we follow our praise. We follow our praise. It shifts us. There's another Hebrew meaning of praise that I love is yada, yada. And yada means to worship with extended hands or to hold out your hands. That's why maybe if you're watching and you've seen, you know, you you, you wouldn't say you're a believer and you've maybe seen some some Christians, you're like, man, it's a bit strange. They like lift their hands up in worship. Why are they doing it? We're we're doing that to, to yada. We're lifting our hands to God, but it's a great meaning as to yada too. It doesn't just mean to extend, but it also means... It means to lift your hands in as a sign of surrender. But don't mistake this sign of surrender as a sign of weakness because it proves in God surrender is an attacking move when we surrender in praise, that it throws a stone at the head of our giant. It shoots an arrow into the heart of our problems when we surrender. And Paul and Silas are doing just that. They are surrendering to God in their prison cell. Life hasn't changed, but still they are worshipping. And the second thing, as we continue in this story of Paul and Silas, and I'm telling you, it's about to get heated in that prison cell. In number two, and number two is sacrificial praise precedes breakthrough. Sacrificial praise precedes breakthrough. You know, the process in society is that breakthrough precedes praise. In other words, when good things happen, let's celebrate. Let's get the champagne out. But it works differently with God. In Matthew 1, we see the family tree of Jesus. And, and many of us have skipped over that because it's just a whole bunch of names. This person, this person, gave birth to this person, this person. But everything that's in the Bible is intentional. And, and it tells the story of God. Each name tells a picture, it paints a picture. And in Matthew 1, 3, in the lineage of God, this shows us what's in God. And in Matthew 1, 3, it says, Judah begot Perez. I know that sounds really random, doesn't it? It's one of those scriptures that you just kind of pass over. But in its original meaning, in Hebrew, Judah means praise. Begot means gave birth to. And Perez means breakthrough. Praise gave birth to breakthrough. This is in the line of Jesus. This is in his makeup. It's in Jesus's DNA. And what an ultimate display of trust when you thank someone before they give you something. Like before you get it, you get a thank you. It develops faith. 
and my praise can give birth to my breakthrough. That's why songs and psalms are amazing because when you don't have your own words because your miracle hasn't arrived, you can still praise. Praise can give birth to breakthrough. Anyone believe that's good news? Put it in the chat if you think that is good news that you can praise before you've seen it change because praise gives birth to breakthrough. And the last thing today, the third one is sacrificial praise and worship welcomes presence. It welcomes presence. Psalm 22 verse 3, but you are holy and you inhabit, you inhabit means you're enthroned, lived in the praises of Israel. There is a supernatural line that's opened between Paul and Silas as they praise and worship and the walls break literally it says the walls break and their chains are broken loose and 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 all the other prisoners go free and i challenge the notion that they were just singing to get out because that's not what they were doing they were praising god they were singing to get god in and and why do you think the atmosphere shift when 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 there's an atmosphere of praise an atmosphere of worship environments begin to change attitudes begin to change why because god is crowned in our praise praise could be your passport out of your prison walls come down chains shake loose as we draw near to god and he draws near to us you know we experienced this firsthand many years ago my sister was diagnosed with breast cancer and she was going through all of the stages and doctors and medical professionals. And one day we were in a room where I was a youth pastor and there was just a few of us and we were in a youth meeting. Someone pulled out a guitar and we were just doing a time of prayer. And as we were worshiping in the room, my sister just began to feel this burning sensation. She actually ran out of the room. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. We discovered afterwards that during that worship time, we're just worshiping God. As the presence of God filled the room, she started to feel that burning sensation. She checked and the lump vanished. Now, I know, I know for many people watching, like the lump vanished. I mean, the lump completely vanished. We didn't believe it either. She went back to the doctor. She checked, the, the doctor checked. The doctors are confused. Like, where did the lump go? We, we don't understand to the point where they sent us a letter, which will show up on the screen in a moment. But in this letter, they said they apologized because they almost felt like it was a misdiagnosis because they couldn't understand where this lump had gone. And they said there is no medical explanation for this. But I have a theological explanation, an experiential ex uh, explanation. It's because when the presence of God fills a room because it's, it's, he is enthroned in our praises, he's enthroned in our worship, miracles happen. And I believe wherever you are today, regardless of a camera, regardless of a screen, the presence of God is not limited to just us having church at home. It means that no, that he's not going to move and operate. Wherever you are, wherever you are worshipping, wherever your life is filled with praise, miracles can follow because he is a good God and he is enthroned in our praises and walls shake and chains come loose. And I believe that as we begin to keep that rhythm of praise and worship in our lives, miracles will continue to follow. And so right now, Lord, I pray for each person, wherever they are, I pray that they would catch this new perspective of praise and worship. 
Lord, I pray that they'll live a life, Lord, of praise and worship, a a life that says, I want to reflect the greatest sacrifice of heaven, the amazing things that you've done for me. And in that exchange, that sacrifice of praise, I thank you that miracles will follow. I thank you that answers will come. I thank you that comfort will come. I thank you, Lord, as we magnify you, Lord, it changes us. And so, Lord, I pray, let us walk, Lord, with a new praise and worship in our step. It's a new day as this rhythm is shifting and still praying today. If you are, you're you're watching today and you wouldn't say that you are a Christian, you are a believer today, I would love to give you an opportunity to connect to this God. He so loves you. And all of this is for you. It's so that you could be in relationship with him. And right now it's very simple to get connected with God. You might be like, I don't know everything. You don't need to know everything. All you need to know is, I just wanna start. I wanna start that relationship. So I want to pray with you today. So if that's you and you're saying, I want to connect with this God, we're going to pray a very simple prayer in a moment. And then you're going to see a link that's going to come up for you to connect with our team in the chat. So if that's you and you're saying, I want to connect with this God for the first time or I've walked away and I'm coming home, I want you to just close your eyes with me. We're going to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, today I choose to follow you. Amen. 